Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft. My name is Britton, also known as Archaic Honey on the Instagram. And I am here with my fabulous co-host. Jay Allen Cross, always very happy to be here. How are you doing, Britton? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Have there been any changes in your world? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, A little nervous. I did announce it on Instagram this morning, but, you know, due to the time space continuum things, this will be, you know, aired much later on. So people on the Instagrams know now, but I am fucking pregnant. Yes. Yes. Britain is with child and I'm very excited about this news. It's fucking crazy. So I... For most of my life, like even as early as like 10 years old, I knew I didn't want to have kids like it just was a personal decision. I was like, it's just not for me. And I don't think that's a path that I'll ever go down. But, you know, it was my birthday when I felt a shift in my body. I was like, oh, shit, something's different. Mm -hmm. Something is very different (laughs) in the air right now. And then the next day I was just like working and it hit me. I was like, I think I need to go take a pregnancy test. And I just had this, I was driving there and I knew I was like, it's going to be positive. I know it is. And the funny thing is, is I took all the precautions one should take to not get pregnant Mm -hmm. and it still happened. So when I saw the test go positive, I was, it's just been such a trip because I was shocked that I was happy. I was shocked that I was excited, you know, like it was such a joyous moment for me. And I was like, who are you? You know, (laughs) (laughs) like, who is this person that suddenly like, I'm going to do this? You know? Yeah. You were very calm about it when I called you because you sent me a text message. It was like, hey, BT dubs, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, what? (laughs) So I just called you and you were very, very calm about it. But I think that's also kind of like. You know, when you know, you know, and I'm I'm pro-choice in every way. And that includes the choice of changing your mind about having mm-hmm. children or not having children, like, you know, and if it's right, it's right. And I am so happy for you. Yeah, and thank you. I, I love this. And I love that it's making you so happy. So yeah, it, the calm, the calmness that I have is uh, otherworldly. I, mm-hmm. I feel so grounded and chill. I'm just like, it's frankly, the best drug that I've ever been on. <laughs> Have you talked to your children about pregnancy? <laughs> the other drugs. Right. Okay. Well, we but are very, very happy for you. Yeah. What's new in your world, though? I know there's been a new development for you as well. There is. Um, I actually have a place to live now, which is very exciting. Um, That's been up in the air for a moment. Um, But we have a place. Things are settling down. I can actually probably unpack my brain, which I'm pretty sure has been slipped into one of these boxes and has been unable to be reached for the last few weeks. So apologies to everybody who has tried to work with me (laughs) in the last little bit. Um, But all of that should be smoothing out. And really, I'm just kind of basking in this wonderful, vicarious new baby energy because the world right now is on fire. Twitter and the occult community right now is 
absolutely just a blazing dumpster fire. Um, so I'm I'm just retreating away from there, and I will probably be sending you adorable baby shit in a little bit because online shopping gives me serotonin, which is right something that we all need these days. So. <laughs> Yes. Love a little good online shopping, some retail therapy. Okay, so what are we doing today? So we are very excited to be speaking about astrology and making your own tarot deck with none other than Thea Wershing here with us here. So welcome, Thea. Woohoo! Thank you so much for having me. And now I'm all distracted by Britain's news. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. So exciting. And I just wanted to jump in there and say I also was not interested in kids for most of my life. And uh, we took all the necessary precautions and surprise. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a fun journey. So cool. Thank you. And yeah, uh, (laughs) I had a feeling because I remember you because you and I had done an astrology reading some time ago. And I remember you talking about motherhood in the reading. And um, yeah, you gave me some perspective. And I thought of you, actually, Mm -hmm. when uh, I was taking when I took the test, I was like, Thea, (laughs) I remember what (laughs) she said. (laughs) It's so funny, because I've been so excited for you on this other journey that you're into natural perfume, because I'm just a massive natural perfume geek. And I'm like, Oh, she has perfume news. (laughs) That's what I was thinking about. Mm -hmm. So um, it, anyway, it, it just really caught me by surprise. Oh, excited for you. Yeah, thank you so much. So Thea, we love to start off with kind of some basic questions to help people get to know you. Um, and since we are talking about astrology today, this is a great opening. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal astrology? Maybe you want to share your big three or something that uh, you think might uh, help people get to know you a little bit through the stars? Oh, sure. That's what you want to know. Okay. So um, I'm a Virgo (gasps) and I have a Capricorn moon, Mm. super earthy, very practical. I think that comes out in my style and I have a Taurus South node. So like lots of earth. And then um, I have Gemini rising. So I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Always have two minds about everything. Yes. And um, I have a big fat Libra stellium in my fifth house. And it's kind of like this lead weight that just like pulls everything in the opposite direction. So I'm very much like, oh, am I like earthy granola, soulful person, or am I just like an acerbic intellectual? And I don't know. I'm both. So yeah. (laughs) I love it. It's important to be both sometimes. Absolutely. Eventually I'll learn how to live with it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have an Aries sun and both my moon and my rising are in Virgo. Which I think just kind of makes me a Taurus. I don't like by blending. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, I do a lot with um, the moon phases. So Mm -hmm. that's just an interesting moon phase to be in because that's the waxing gibbous. So that's like the Beltane phase and it's very sexy. So that's immediately what I thought. I was like, oh, that's the sexy moon phase. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sexy. Cool. Yeah, we have such a tendency to attract other Aries folks as guests. So it's really Mm. cool to have like some earth come in here uh, as a part of the show, because like, it's almost always a triple threat of Aries. It's like Aries, Aries, Aries on the show. And we're just like screaming the whole time. (laughs) And not premeditated either. It just happens. It just (laughs) happens. 
Yeah, I love Aries energy just because I'm so Libran. And so I feel like it's a great balance for me. And I just love listening to Aries people talk because I'm like, I'm not that passionate or confident about anything. <laughs> and so I, I just love kind of getting that vicarious experience. Mm. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love mm. that. And I also love that you um, highlighted your South Node. And it was through an astrology reading with you that I learned the importance of South Node in yeah. in your chart. And now I when I look at my chart or I'm like exploring my astrology and stuff, I'm like, oh yes, the South Node. That explains everything. <laughs> yeah, it tends to be what I look at first mm-hmm. before I even look at the sun, moon, or ascendant. I'm just like, where's the South Node? And then I read everything else through that. Like how do these other pieces of the puzzle complement the South Node? Like are they supporting this person, dealing with that? residue or are they helping this person move forward Mm -hmm. so cool so i have no idea what a south node is and i think that several (laughs) of our listeners probably also have no idea can you briefly just tell us kind of why this is important and and what maybe our south node can tell us absolutely so um i'm sure you're curious about what exactly evolutionary astrology is Mm -hmm. so like the main difference is that we care about the south node like it's a really fundamental part of evolutionary astrology So the South Node, generally, we see as the carrier of past life energy, okay, and more particularly past life wounding. Um, I'm not as much on the wounding, like I think it can show a lot of strengths as well. So okay, evolutionary astrology. So the idea is that we believe in past lives. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of boilerplate. And for people who don't believe in past lives, you can kind of get there with ancestor work through the South Node, right? So um, basically, the South Node is this repository of old stories, you know, like old stories in your karmic background. We have ancestral karma that we carry, right? Like we carry our ancestor stories. So it's been really interesting to me recently kind of watching those dovetail and mm. that I'll be telling like a past life story. So I'm doing the, the air quotes here, right? Like it's mm-hmm. a past life story. And then someone will say, that happened to my great, great grandfather. Like this is his experience. Exactly. So I think it's really interesting. Um, And I was asking another astrologer about this, Patricia Walsh, who is an evolutionary astrologer. And she said that like, if we have a certain type of past life karma, if even if we lived in another part of the world, you know, and we're a totally different ethnicity in our past life, um, like like attracts like, and so we'll, we'll find bodies to incarnate in that have like the similar ancestral stories, mm. like mm. just in terms of lived experience. So that's just been really trippy to see, you know, just kind of like describing people's ancestors in the reading. And I'm not realizing I'm doing that. So um, anyway, let, let me say more about the nodes because I went off track there. Um, so the nodes are actually a mathematical point about where the moon dips over the ecliptic and they have, I think it's like a, about a 19 year cycle. Okay. So they stay in a sign for about a year and a half and there's also a North node. And so that's what's great. Like if we're talking about the South node, that is the old stuff, but the North node is where you're supposed to go. Mm. And so that's like another concept implicit in evolutionary astrology is that we're all trying to get somewhere And it's supposed to be different than how we enter this life. So we have an education to undertake, like we have something new to learn in this Mm -hmm. lifetime. I really like this type of astrology because a lot of other types of astrology are descriptive. 
And they say, you're born a certain way. So even when you're a baby, you have all these potentials and they're just there for you to enact. And then if you talk to people about their chart, a lot of times they're like, well, I'm not quite there yet, or I don't relate to this thing. Mm -hmm. And that's where I jump in and say, this is just a really good idea. This is kind of like a promise in the chart that if you go enact these things or move toward these facets of your personality, you will be good at it, right? But you actually have to do the work and step into those shoes. So it's much more developmental. Mm -hmm. And I like this type of astrology because I think it's just more, it's just helping people where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and encouraging them to like move toward things that will be good fits for them. So that's so interesting. So it's like, I've always kind of thought of, of, astrology that that we normally run into kind of like a like a user's manual that would come with like your car or something that says like here's where the brake is here's you know here's the oil or you know whatever <laughs> is in a user's manual um but this sounds more like it's um more like a map of like where you can go or like where you might be heading or kind of the roads or, or it's it's kind of beyond just the actual vehicle itself yeah i think it can be both you know mm-hmm. i hear what you're saying um yeah, yeah. But I like that analogy. Interesting. Matt. When you, you were talking on, I hope this is okay to share. When um, you had done a reading for me, you had talked about my past life and then how I came into the world. And it was so spot on because you had told me my past story. And I do believe in past lives and such that I had been poisoned. And then I also came into the world with jaundice. Literally. (laughs) And I was like, oh my fucking God, like this is so wild. Like I've had some of the best experiences with astrology and like a a better grasp at understanding through evolutionary astrology, because like Jay was saying, like it kind of goes beyond just like, Hmm. here's the brakes, here's the oil, et cetera. It like provides you options in a way to kind of move forward constructively. Yeah. It seems. Yeah. So, um, first of all, like I have no memory of any reading I do if it's been more than two weeks. So I was like, wow, (laughs) what a cool story. (laughs) Like I don't tell that one very much. Right. So that was really interesting to hear about. It's kind of coming back to me now that you said it. I mean, I, I think the other facet of this philosophy that I really like is we're sold kind of like these cookie cutter, uh, goals, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're all supposed to want the same things and we're supposed to be creative, but also productive and make money and have families. And like, (laughs) we're we're just told to do it all. And I like that astrology is is like, no, you can specialize and you have many lifetimes to figure this out. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to do every single fucking thing in this lifetime. That is a huge relief to me. And some people might have a really like small, simple focused goal, you know, and that's okay. Like we don't have to do every single thing in this lifetime. And I, I find that that's a huge relief to people. I'm feeling huge relief just hearing that (laughs) because I swear every day, (laughs) like I get told like, you know, you're supposed to have a, you know, like you're talking, you have a career, make money. Um, you know, your house is supposed to be clean. You're supposed to drink water. You're also supposed to meditate and do your daily practice and your devotions. And on top of that, you're supposed to read every book that's ever been written and know everything in the whole wide world. And I'm like, y'all, I am exhausted. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things I really like about this work is that it allows me to push anti capitalist values, you know, (laughs) I might be telling someone like, yeah, you you don't really need to worry about 
making money in this life. It's okay to let your family take care of you and just work on this emotional shit or something or, <laughs> you know, just do your art at all costs. Mm-hmm. It's okay if everyone thinks you're impractical. If that's what you're here to do, that's what you're here to do. So I think it's just um, all of these things that we don't value, like spiritual work or artistic work and things like that. I'm able to say like, yeah, these actually really do matter. Mm-hmm. So Love that. Fun. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Here for it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So do you have kind of other areas of study in your background or, or um, kind of how, how did you end up with evolutionary astrology? How long a story do you want me to tell? <laughs> <laughs> give, give, give us the deets. Give us the deets. The deets. Okay. Um, I, I mean, a, a lot of my story comes out of um, mental health challenges, actually. So uh, when I was a teenager, I was a suicidal teen. My family was very violent. And so I was drawn to things like witchcraft and astrology just to help me deal, like to help me cope. Mm-hmm. And I was in a new age cult. And I was just thinking about how formative this was on me. I was in this cult for seven years. So <laughs> how do I get there? Sorry, I'm just kind of spacing out now, trying to like pull all these pieces together into a coherent story. But it, it has never been very coherent. So I went to college for a year. I, I was actually kicked out of college after my first year. I was having these visions in the woods. I was living in Santa Cruz. And... Um, it became important to me to prove that I was normal because I felt very mentally unwell. And so I wanted to go to college to kind of prove that my brain worked, you know, Mm -hmm. that I was a rational person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wound up going back to college eventually. And then I lived on a commune for a while. (laughs) And so I don't know, it's just, there's been this kind of like flitting back and forth in my story between Mm -hmm just wanting to be like a soulful spiritual person and then wanting to be an intellectual, like both have been really important to me. So after the commune, I'm like, no, I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to like not do astrology anymore. And then I started dating this woman who was really into astrology and got me back into it. And I dropped out at that time. And that's when I started studying with Stephen Forrest, who is an evolutionary astrologer. And so I got my job at Whole Foods and learned how to work with herbs and like (laughs) studied astrology Um, and, uh, that was just kind of a happy accident. So I started learning astrology when I was 19. Um, and I liked it, but just finding Steven, I think was meant to be, and he's a Capricorn. So he's also very grounded, earthy and practical. It just really worked for me and his whole focus is healing. And so that's why I kind of started with the mental health challenges thing, because, while I find the occult very interesting intellectually, uh, like at bottom, I just want people to feel better. Like I want people to feel stable and be able to deal. That's kind of my um, primary focus. So I dropped out of grad school because I thought everyone was a terrible egghead, you know, like way too intellectual. And then I wound up going back and saying, I'm going to study astrology in the academy. So I did a big historical study of astrology I got a PhD in American literature, but I used my degree to study occult history in America for roughly a decade, right? It took me a decade to get my PhD. Um, So it was really magical. Like I was just immersed in all of these, you know, wonderful ancient texts. Like I learned the history of magic and esotericism in schools. I kind of like figured out how to make that my life. And then when I was done with that, I didn't have a job. You know, because there's no university. I was university. just leaving college, yeah. 
Well, I mean, I, technically I was trained to be an English professor, but my specialization was so obscure mm-hmm. that it's not like people are hiring occultists to go teach English in their college, you know? <laughs> anyway, that was kind of rambly, but um, I, I found evolutionary astrology by accident one of the times I dropped out of school and was exploring that aspect of myself. So yeah. do I need to fill in any holes in that story? No, I love this journey of exploration <laughs> of the trying, leaving, coming back. I think I think that's something that I think we need to normalize so much is kind of like maybe trying something. Maybe it's not that time right now, leaving, trying it again later. Like, I, I feel like. Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard that described as Gemini rising. There's that butterfly trajectory. So it's <laughs> never a straight line. It's like you're zigzagging all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could also use a spiral analogy. That's like everything in my life. I'm like, oh, I'm back to this. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. I like that. Just kind of passing the same point over again, but like a little in in kind of a slightly different place from where it was last time. I like the spiral idea with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Brilliant. Yeah. All right. So we, we have so many questions for you. We have so much stuff we want to learn. Um, So we kind of touched on it earlier. Can you kind of like, define a little bit more about like what exactly is evolutionary astrology and then like um like why or when would you want to choose this type of astrology as opposed to maybe a different kind or like when when do you know that you need an evolutionary astrology oh that's a great question okay so i know you know one of the principles is that it's very choice oriented and so i think the popular perception of astrology is that you can predict things with this razor sharp accuracy. That's what people think it's about. And they can think it's very fatalistic and limiting, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're born with this chart, you only have this small set of choices. And I don't really see it that way. I think of it more as like a creative engagement with symbols, Mm -hmm. you know, so the chart is kind of like this map of symbols. And I think there's that cosmic energy, which is really general, like there would be the general energy of an Aries, right out in the cosmos. But then when it comes down to individual people and your body and where you're living and the local options around you, it's going to express in a very specific way. So I think we have a lot of choices around the specifics. Like there's a pretty broad spectrum within Aries. Like what are you going to choose? Uh, So I think of the evolutionary astrologer as working more in conversation with the client around uh, enacting what feels good to them and... um, I don't know that this would be the dictionary definition of evolutionary astrology, but I find that a lot of astrologers who don't work in this way, they're really power oriented and they want to just predict or do this big performance for the client. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And this is much more kind of therapeutic, like what a therapist would do. Like, well, what do you want to (laughs) do? You know, what are your goals? And kind of looking for ways that the chart can support that. Um, And I think that evolutionary astrology is great for big picture stuff. And so that's definitely my bias as an astrologer. It's like, okay, let's talk about the next couple years or your life path. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be, how do you have a great June or something, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like um, these kind of big tectonic plates in your chart and and how do you navigate that? And um, yeah, like technically evolutionary astrologers, we don't make predictions. That's one of the hallmarks of it but i do i mean if someone asks me my opinion on something i'll give it Mm -hmm. so um but generally we're not wanting to close down options and i feel very humble doing this career because 
even though I'm pretty good at predicting, when it comes to transits unfolding in my life, I'll start to plan around, okay, here's what I want to have happen, or here is a good thing for me to do. And the universe always surprises me. It's like some symbolism I would never have conceived of, mm. you know? Um, so like when I, I had Pluto cross over my moon a couple years ago, which is pretty intense. I mean, yeah. that's a scary one. That's right? gnarly. Like, Whoa. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to learn shamanism. Like that's how I'm going to deal with this, right? I'm going to, you know, dive into this. And um, I tried doing that. And again, I just looked for the local teacher and my guides just refused to show up. They're like, no, no, uh, this yeah. is like romper room. Like they just didn't like the teacher. And they're like, no, this is not even worth our time. Like you need to leave. So it's like, that didn't work out. And then um, a good friend of mine was murdered around that time. Oh, wow. And that was a huge Pluto education for me, right? And you would think that would be so traumatic. Mm-hmm. But it was super weird because she was just like, right there and she was fine like she kind of just showed showed up and did sort of like poltergeist shit in my house but it was it was fine she wasn't haunting me she was just kind of like visiting but anyway I went through this whole occult education during that time right so I use that story just to say I think the planets are teachers Mm -hmm. and so a lot of people are like oh no it's like scary energy but I think well what am I supposed to be learning here right Mm -hmm. so Right. Yeah, and I have an eighth house moon, right? So it's oh. like Pluto on my eighth house moon. I just really went deep into stuff that I had. Pre- I just previously didn't believe in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And um, our neighbor was also dying and he was like a really toxic person. And so we had kind of like a demon infestation at my house and I had to deal with that. And it was just not stuff I had ever thought about before. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, if I have good thoughts, right? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> everything will be fine. But um, no, no, I had to have that like professionally dealt with. So I, I got an occult education. It was just not the one that I planned for right. in that time. So yeah. yeah. Wow. I know that um, Pluto's going to cross my ascendant in like six years or something. I, oh, cool. so I've, been, like, yeah. I've been like, I watched a friend go through that like many years ago and it was harrowing for them. And um, they, I think they were studying evolutionary astrology at the time or they had planned to, but they were just telling me how, how terrible it was. And I was like, okay, I'll start preparing myself mentally for the lessons that are going to be coming my way when, when Pluto crosses my ascendant. So I don't know. Uh, I I think it's really personality specific. mm -hmm. So like I grew up hearing how terrible the Saturn return was going to be. Right. Doesn't everybody? But I'm a Capricorn moon and I'm a Virgo. So I was like, like it was really easy. And I'm a very Plutonic person, right? Mm -hmm. And I would put you in that camp too, Britain. So what I would ask like anyone who's ever gone through Pluto transit, did you emerge empowered after it? Because I think Pluto always leaves you with more power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what the lesson is. So if you can... Try to embrace it. It's good. But you can't always. I mean, sometimes it just sucks. You know, it's like my friend was murdered. It was horrible. Right. You know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say like, oh, I don't want to romanticize it too much. But you can just use it for what you can get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like, too, that it sounds like the the client or whoever is getting the 
astrology consultation or whatever is is more involved in it because like you're talking about sometimes i feel like sometimes you go to see an astrologer and they just tell you what's going to happen to you or they just tell you things versus like incorporating you into it and like participating like how are we going to do this you know what are your steps how are you going to engage with this like which i really like that as someone who really wants to kind of be involved in it and not just have it happen to me oh totally i i think we're co-creators and you know i i also think it's a mix i don't want to say it's you know, totally black or white, because um, when I do a transit reading, for example, I'm saying, here's the energy that's coming toward you. Mm -hmm. And you have a choice about how you can use it. But then, you know, certain fatalistic things happen, like, oh, there's a car crash, right? I mean, in in my belief system, I think we, I think some things are fated to happen. Mm -hmm. And, but you still have choice in in how you respond. Um, But I think because I'm pretty witchy, I think of all the planets as deities, like that's my relationship Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. them. And so you can really kind of work those connections. And so like if we're facing Saturn, which is never too fun, I just think what does Saturn want? You know, like what's the, what is Saturn looking to teach me? Like how can I serve him in this case? And I'm thinking about an example actually. So I have a fourth house Virgo sun. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, I had never really, I, I was bad at commitment in the past. I'll just say it that way. Okay, and I was just kind of a feral child. And so um, Saturn crossed over my son. That's not fun. You know, I was kind of freaking out. And I was like, okay, universe, like, uh, if I meet someone that I can commit to, I'll do it. Like, I'll just, I'll learn how to live with someone, you know, I'll just learn how to cope with another person in my space. And that's when I met my husband, like to the day of Saturn on my son. And so, you know, we would think, well, that's a shitty transit. Nothing good's going to happen. But Saturn's really into commitment and longevity yeah, Mm -hmm. and contracts, right? So I was like, all right, I'm going to give you that. And obviously, it's been a pretty good turnaround on that. So, yeah. Very cool how that works. Do you have like a favorite planetary energy? Ooh, that's such a good question. Well, obviously, I love Pluto because I named my business after Pluto. I mean, they're all my favorites. I don't know if you guys feel like that with plants or something. It's, it's like, <laughs> right. how do you choose? Like, they're all great. But I've been working with a dwarf planet called Ceres. And that's just opened up a lot of really interesting work to me because uh, Ceres is pretty close by. It's between Mars and Jupiter. And Ceres is Demeter. And it's mm-hmm. the... Virgo goddess, essentially, if we look at that Virgo symbol, and um, Virgo is the only image in the pantheon that is holding a plant, I find just so fascinating and exciting. So um, I I feel like Ceres brings this kind of destroyer goddess energy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like kind of like harsh earth mama energy to the signs, though. Um, I'm actually teaching a, a workshop right now around Ceres Demeter, and I, I do work specifically with that planet because we just don't deal with it as astrologers. I have no idea why. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just as important as Pluto. So I do these specialized readings just looking at um, Ceres being your relationship to food and by extension plants in the earth. And mm-hmm. I think it's just this sort of um, suppressed knowledge. I think it's this kind of like ancient memory that when I do the readings for people, they're like, they're just very dreamlike i just feel like people are waking up to this lost consciousness of our symbiotic relationship with the earth Mm -hmm. so that's a favorite just because people don't know about it so it's really fun to talk about it and educate people dang i'm gonna have to check that out that sounds really cool fun yeah 
That is exciting. Now, now, now you got us all wondering, <laughs> like so many people are going to be Googling during this episode. Like what Google is my... I, I think Sirius was the planet of the witches. I really do. And so it shows up really strongly in charts of people who are herbalists or ritualists or like have that sort of religious orientation that is mm. focused on plants or the produce of the earth, you know, or crystals or just they're, they're like mediating with something that comes from the earth, not just pure spirit. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I'm tangenting. I'm sorry. I just no, I no, it's fascinating. I'm like totally oh. tangenting over here myself because I just opened up my astrology app to go see where my series is at. It's in Gemini in the fourth house. Uh, cool. So, I mean, I don't know what that means. I could do some digging. In. I love that. Okay. Well, so fourth house is like, it can be land, mm-hmm. right? I look at that as relationship to the land because it's home. And then Gemini is like, I know all the names. You know, oh. I know all the things. So that's kind yeah. of how I think of you as like, you know, um, you, you talk to a lot of plants. I do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's wow. really fun. And it's right next to my Chiron. <laughs> Interesting. So. Yeah. So healing. Yeah. There you go. Oh, wow. Fascinating. Yeah. It's so, it's so fascinating that you could just like look at these little points in your chart and like just so much unfolds. It's amazing. Totally. So much info. I almost never think about how it works. And so occasionally people will be like, well, how do you know? I'm like, I don't care. I just am so practical, right? That's the Virgo cap thing. I'm like, whatever, it works. Like, I don't need to noodle out why. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I feel. <laughs> like with Aries, like simplicity. I'm just like, it doesn't matter. Right. Like it, it works. Like <laughs> leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. what I feel like um, with things like energy healing too. People will be like, oh, well, it works because of the healing energy of the universe. Other people will be like, no, it works because it's just like a placebo effect. I'm like, I don't care because both of you are saying that it works. So like, I feel like, you know, future scientists and researchers, maybe they'll figure that out one day, but it's definitely not my interest. No. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel you. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. So you were talking a little bit about, um, what was it? Was it serious? Was it about the planet or? So it's Sirius as a star, but Sirius is like the root word for cereal. Oh. So it's C-E-R-E-S. Oh, so Sirius. Okay. Yeah. So you're talking about that kind of being like sometimes like an indication of like witchcraft or or kind of yeah. like a cult ritual. So my question too, one of the ones that I wanted to ask you was, is evolutionary astrology something that could be applied to witchcraft or assistant in or adjacent to? Like how, how does how do those things work together or do they? I think they can absolutely work together. So um, I think that witchcraft relies on a symbolic language, Mm -hmm. you know, of correspondences between uh, planets and plants and crystals and um, incense and that sort of thing. So in that way, there can be very direct connections. And I would say astrology as another symbolic language, so it can speak to... um, (laughs) Almost, almost any other symbolic language. So for example, I get a lot of intellectuals, right? Because that's my background. And so it's really fun for me if someone is like, they wrote their dissertation on a topic and I can see like what planetary configurations motivated their special interest in this really narrow topic. And so um, it often happens that if I'm working with a witch and I'm saying blah, blah, blah about the planets, they'll be like, oh my God, I'm just doing a huge working around blah, blah, blah. And you're describing that exactly. And um, yeah, so I, I think the overlay is pretty, um, pretty simple, Yeah, I found. And uh, there's a whole school of people that 
are really into that into this. So there's a conference that's been around for a year or two called Astromagia. So if you're really interested in ancient magic and uh, incorporating that astrologically, I think that's getting more and more popular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And too, it seems pretty distinct as well, because even just from a little bit of information, you got Britain being on the land, and that's like what their whole book is about and everything like that. So it, it comes oh, cool. out pretty, pretty precise. Right. Yeah, it, it really does. And um, here's the other thing, if people out there are listening and are wondering what series can tell them, the whole art of astrology is knowing how to weigh the importance of particular planets, because, yeah. you know, we all have a Pluto, for example, but we're not all going to be a serial killer. Okay. So like, <laughs> we would have not. to be <laughs> pretty high up in your chart and pretty aggrieved and like be in all these special positions. So same with Ceres. I find that when people have um, Ceres in relation to the sun, then they tend to be more like a public witch, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, Ceres on the midheaven or Ceres in the first house. Okay. So if it's in these, these strong areas, um, so I have one client who used to have a store called Ritual. So I associate Ceres with Ritual. And I just thought that was so cool. <laughs> She's a natural perfumer. So, um, yeah. Did I say she had Ceres conjunct the sun? No. Oh. But yeah, yes, that makes no, that sense. Was, I was yeah. like, yeah, I bet Ceres was somewhere really prominent in their chart. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That would be how you know if it's really expressing in your identity. But we all have a series. So I think, you know, we all have a relationship to the land and we all have a relationship to food. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I go with it. Like that's where we start. So a lot of times the readings are focused on eating disorders. And my sense is that everyone's eating is pretty disordered mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like almost across the board, right. just because of like how we relate to the land or don't mm-hmm. pretty much, you know, like most of us don't see the source of our food. So kind of bringing back that lost consciousness, like what if you actually experienced where your food came from? Would you feel less fucked up about food? Because most people feel pretty fucked up about it that I found. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So all that. (laughs) This is fascinating. I'm I'm loving this whole topic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if someone wanted to start learning evolutionary astrology, do you have resources you'd, you'd recommend or, or is, are there schools for this or, or how, how would one even get started? There are actually, so um, just wrote down the name of this one. So I didn't forget. So uh, my teacher, Stephen Forrest, I think he's, I think he has a lot of integrity. Mm-hmm. This is why I love Stephen. And he's also just a mesmerizing teacher and, Sitting in his classes, he can talk for eight hours straight and be compelling for eight hours. He just never flubs his words. It's like just just being beamed into him. And it's really amazing. So he's a compelling teacher. He has a new school called the Forest Center for Evolutionary Astrology. Mm. And uh, a friend of mine, Tony Howard, runs Astrology University. And that is not specifically evolutionary. But I think Tony also has a lot of integrity and is putting out really good work. And so you can actually learn a spectrum of schools at Astrology University. They teach a lot of different styles, but that's good because then you can kind of choose what fits for you. Yeah. Um, and I recommend all of Stephen Forrest's books as well. So mm. yeah. that is cool. And is kind of the astrology that we see kind of, uh, I, I hate to say the word normally, but kind of like the, the astrology that's more mainstream that we see, is that something that we can then 
build upon to go into evolutionary astrology or do you need to start from scratch with evolutionary astrology and learn like an entirely different system? That's a big topic. Um, you don't need to start from scratch. So if you are familiar with the planets and the general meanings of the signs and, you know, all that basic vocabulary, Mm -hmm. you get to keep all that. So Uh, we're not adding in too many new things except the North and South node Mm -hmm. you would get to learn about in evolutionary astrology. It really has more to do with interpretation, I think. And then also just how to sit with a client and deliver something that might be really challenging and not take that person's power away because Mm -hmm. we can see a lot of stuff that you don't always need to tell people. So I think that's the art too, of just giving them what they can handle. Um, And I don't know, just, I I think pop astrology, I just, I have a really difficult time with it uh, (laughs) because I, I feel like a lot of what we're focused on with popular astrology is things that move really quickly, like the phases of the moon, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, it's the full moon. And people will be like, oh, it's the full moon in Taurus or something. And I'm like, actually the moon's already changed signs. Like that's not even going on (laughs) anymore. (laughs) It's like, it's very ephemeral. So um, I think the bias of evolutionary astrology is that we're really looking at slow planetary cycles, like Jupiter, Saturn, where it's just hanging out on a certain point in your chart and just mm-hmm. looking at how that can be like a long-term developmental stage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the long game. Once I kind of explored evolutionary astrology and then had my reading with you, Thea, um, and you were really focused on like Pluto and Saturn in my chart, And yeah, when I go and I like, I mean, not to talk shit on popular astrology, like it can be helpful. But then when I would look at popular astrology, I'd be like, this just doesn't hit the same way. Like, (laughs) this is really Mm. different. So yeah, I I think it's interesting. But you know, just like Mercury or Venus events, they're very ephemeral. Mm -hmm. They just don't last. So this is why I love like when Venus slows down and Venus retrograde. I'm like, okay, now we're gonna get some intensity. Right. Venus is hanging out in the same spot. So I actually like that. Um, I just, I I think it's, it's a co-creation. So like my big beef with pop astrology is just like when everyone's posting about the moon and I'm like, (laughs) I I don't think you really get like a lunar experience by reading a blog post or an Instagram post. I think if you go out and do a full moon ritual, like that's different Then you're communicating Mm -hmm. with the energy and you're drawing it into your life. Yeah. I, (laughs) I try not to talk about that because it, it irritates me, but it's like the, there's, there's just like a lot of, um, I don't know, just kind of crazy ass projections about what the full moon is going to do in your life. Even if you're just sitting there passively, just reading it, like just by virtue of reading it, like fairies are going to come down and like pull the curtains, like <laughs> aside from your eyes or something. Mm-hmm. You can edit that part out if I'm being too cranky. No, we, <laughs> yeah. we love hot We're cranky podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So maybe if people don't necessarily want to learn the evolutionary astrology, but they do want to get a reading, how would one go about finding an evolutionary astrologer that is legit? Um, What would they maybe look for or or where might they look? That's a great question. So um, I know Stephen Forrest used to have a list of forest trained astrologers. Mm. So, you know, that's where I tend to send people if I can't work with them for some reason. Patricia Walsh is another great person, an evolutionary astrologer, and I know that she trains people as well. So I'm assuming she has the same kind of network. Mm -hmm. And then um, 
what I would say too, I think it's so important just to find someone that fits you, you know? Mm. And so if you go to an evolutionary astrologer that's highly recommended and you don't like them and they make you feel bad, like that's not the person for you. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's just like, find someone that you have a good vibe with. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds easy, but a lot of people don't take that advice. You know, it's like, oh, I'm just going to this therapist and I hate them. And I'm like, why? Like, yeah, just, why do that to yourself? Because they're the best, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm big on, you know, the experience should be positive. So, um, yeah, Google is your friend when it comes to evolutionary astrology. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's funny with this technique, too, is um, we don't tend to like see clients over and over again, you know, that's one of the things with evolutionary astrology that we might work with someone once a year. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that's a red flag. If someone's telling you that, you know, you need a bunch of appointments with them or something, because oh. it, it's, it's very much kind of like putting the, um, I, I think of it as like posing existential questions to the client. Like, what are you going to do? Here's all this information, you know, how are you going to enact that? Mm -hmm. And so did you ask me about red flags or did I imagine that? Oh, no, you did. You did. No, okay. Oh, no, you didn't imagine. I did ask you. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. Okay. okay. Um, yes, absolutely. Well, before we kind of wrap up this first part here, um, mm -hmm. and not to put you on the spot or ask for predictions or anything like that, but do you, are there any upcoming transits over the next year or two that you've kind of had your eyeball on that you're... Um, that you would like to share with us or, or maybe warn us about or, or, or what's, what's yeah, going no, this on? Is, I'm going to, this is actually a great uh, segue, I think, because America's Pluto return happened in February. Mm -hmm. mm. And so, you know, the country was founded in 1776. And so after all this time, Pluto has come back to its natal place. And so a lot of people are predicting that the United States is going to crumble in the next couple years. So, um, so it's active, right? Started in February this year, but it's active for the next few years. And uh, it's interesting because Pluto is in the house of money in the United States. Ooh. And so here's, here's my bias. I mean, because you can look out at the world around you and just see the inequality is so egregious mm -hmm. here. And like my son asked me what a third world country was the other day, because it's just like a term that we'll hear on the news whatever. And I was like, what does that term even mean anymore? And just, we looked it up and we're explaining it to him. And, and it was just like, wow, that's kind of an offensive term, you know, like that's not a good thing to say anymore. Um, but just like, <laughs> basically like we couldn't justify the United States as being some kind of a first world country, the way things are right now, right? Like the way we don't take care of people and like people mm -hmm. don't have housing and they don't have health care, mm -hmm. even though there's the money to, Take care of people. So, I mean, my hope, well, it's not a prediction, but my hope is that things fall apart in a good way and mm -hmm. there's some kind of counter revolution around having a living wage and like taxes that actually take care of people and things like that. Um, so, I'm hoping there's some big financial shakeup, but also it could just be that, you know, the oligarchs win, but they're, they kind of already are right now. So, mm -hmm. Anyway, I, I think we're just doing a lot of um, looking at the shadow of the United States. And if you've noticed in the last couple of years, just in terms of our history, there's so much of America's shadow history coming out into the light, being openly discussed, mm -hmm. you know, and we're calling for mm -hmm. reparations or it just at least to deal honestly about things that have happened. 
So that's, that's the one that I'm watching. Cause I guess that's the closest to my interest, right? Mm. It's like, how is America going to change in the next couple of years? And we have to go through the shadow to get to the light. That's the Pluto thing. It's like, we have to go um, into the underworld yeah. to figure out how to survive the next phase. So I hope mm. we do our shadow work <laughs> in the next couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love a good sort of crumbly sort of, you know, doomsday thing coming up because whenever we've had those before, it's never been this big fiery hellscape. It's always been this very beautiful transformation that really does do away with what was kind of before and kind of open up something else. And so I'm hoping that yeah. this time around too, the the kind of destruction and rebirth is also something that's very um, positive that we're looking towards. Hopefully. I hope so too. I'm, I mean, I think that like when people um, try to do astrological prediction, it's like everyone goes to catastrophe, like, oh, Putin's mm-hmm. going to invade the United States or something, or it's it's going to be like just so awful. And I'm kind of like, have you have you looked around? Because <laughs> like my neighborhood is just lined with homeless encampments, you know, and like we're not taking care of our citizens. Like maybe you're not having a Plutonian experience, but I think they are. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yes. so I, I feel like a lot of the, the terrible things that could happen, it's to me, I'm like, they're already happening. Like maybe we could deal with those things. Right. And that would be the miraculous mm-hmm. uh, redemptive moment that we need. So. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, Thea, it has been wonderful talking with you here through part one of this interview. We will be coming back with you next week to discuss uh, the process of creating your own tarot deck. We're going to talk about your journey and kind of what that's like and and maybe talk about some advice you may have for people here. Um, So thank you very much for being here with us. And in the meantime, while you are waiting for part two to come out, remember to do witchcraft. Do it. Bye, y'all. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.